0: Welcome to the Better ROI from Software Development Podcast. A podcast aimed at those that fund software development and those that work with them. In a series of short weekly podcasts, I, your host Mark Taylor, hope to educate and inform on why traditional management processes won't get you the best return on your investment. And along the way, I will provide advice on how to improve that. Hello and welcome back to the Better ROI from Software Development Podcast. In this episode, I wanna talk about bonuses. In this episode, I'm looking at to bonus or not to bonus. I talked previously in the last episode about meetings, the good, the bad, and the ugly. In the ugly category, I included performance reviews. And part of that, I talked about bonuses, and how bonuses could produce the wrong effects. So in this episode I want to dig a little deeper on that and talk about bonuses in more detail. I actually grew up in my formative years in a culture of bonuses. In my initial companies I worked for a bonus culture was the norm and I have to freely admit that I benefited hugely from it financially. So maybe let's start there. Let's talk about my history with bonus programs. So looking at my formative years when I'm growing up learning my trade, a lot of that was in an organization that was heavily bonused. I have to admit, it probably worked for me. If I'm honest, I probably didn't take too much notice of the bonus because it wasn't that important to me. But I could understand why it made a difference to other people. In the organization, It was generally an annual review, and for me, my goals were fairly weekly set. Largely, it was more about how the organization performed. Thus, it was difficult most of the time to see how my individual performance actually affected the ability to obtain that bonus. As such, I focused more on probably doing the best job that I could do, rather than necessarily basing it on specific bonus criteria. So personally, I don't actually think the bonus setting caused much difference to my personal behaviours. As time moved on within the organisation and I moved further up the ladder, I entered situations where I was managing other people and having to bonus them. When I use bonuses with my teams, I wanted to be very careful about how I used it. Even early on, I was aware that it could produce dysfunctional results if not done correctly. I arrived at a way of splitting the bonus, generally based on some of it being quarter and some of it being annual, maybe a 50-50 split. This worked well for me because it forced monthly regular conversations. It meant we were in a position where, as me talking to a member of my staff, we had a good excuse to sit talk, go through the goals that we'd set together and allow for course corrections. Not only was that course corrections for the individual to meet their target, but potentially course corrections for the goal. And by having a virtue of that money, that bonus being split across quarterly targets and annual and being paid quarterly and annually meant that we were in a position where we could adjust and adapt as we needed to do as a business. Early on, I moved away from the idea of a monthly bonus because it soon became something that would be seen as normal pay. There was nothing intrinsically motivating about it and it would soon be seen almost as a negative when it didn't arrive. Thus, I like the quarterly bonus. And I also didn't wanna move all of it into the annual bonus because it's very difficult sometimes to keep any target front and center in your mind, if it's only gonna affect you at the end of 12 months, such a long period of time. Thus for me, being able to split the bonus I was able to award between quarterly and yearly, seemed to produce the best effect that I could. That's how I used it, but I believe there were still problems Money as a motivator, even then, I felt was not the best way of achieving the best results. It brought with it the dangers of dysfunctional behaviours. Let's talk about money as a motivator. First off, money is important. There is no two ways about it. Money is obviously important to both the business in how much they want to spend and to the employee about how much they believe they're worth. And of course, to be able to provide, put food on the table, be able to pay the bills and have a comfortable lifestyle. Money, however, has to fit into the Goldilocks category. Not enough, your staff is disgruntled and likely to move on or, to be honest, be very negative about the organisation. Too much, and there will always be about the money. The money will be the only thing that's important to them. You have to take the money off the table. It has to be just right in that Goldilocks zone that the conversation of money is taken off the table because it's just right. Daniel Pink in his book Drive talks about extrinsic motivators, the reward punishment motivators, the carrot and the stick. Bonuses can be motivational initially and he talks about this very much in the book that money and financial awards can produce a level of motivation it's what he describes as an extrinsic motivator an external motivator by us the business being put towards the employee however research shows that it loses potency over time and even becomes a demotivator if for any reason it's withdrawn if you think back to where I was describing how I was using bonuses with my teams in my earlier days, I inherently knew that if I paid it monthly, then my team would get used to it being in their pay monthly and they would feel it was theirs by right. Thus any removal of it was so much more a demotivator than any motivation that it would produce over the longer term. And Daniel backs that up in his book. He talks about so many organizations struggling with using rewards or indeed punishment as a means of motivation. Both of them lose potency over time if they are used over and over again. And as I say, with the bonus, he actually talks about how it became considered right in any time that it wasn't paid was actually demonstrably more demotivational than any motivation it had been providing before it. In Daniel's book, which I certainly recommend reading, he then goes on to talk about the intrinsic motivators, the ability for an individual to drive themselves. He talks about free things that help individuals drive their own motivation, free things that if these are engaged, you get a much motivational drive for an individual than simply by that reward punishment that carrot that stick those three things were autonomy mastery and purpose autonomy is that desire to direct our own lives self-direction on how a task is done or indeed if that task is done at all Rather than being told we have to do this, rather than being micromanaged, rather than being at the receiving end of command and control, being set a target and being able to decide how best to achieve that, it's something that the individual then has delegated authority to do what is needed to achieve the aim they are set. Mastery is a desire to continually improve something that matters it's a satisfaction of getting better at stuff by constantly getting better and better at something it helps to avoid boredom it helps avoid repetitive action consider the martial artist who will continually work to achieve mastery well beyond what most people would consider good enough they continue to get better and better For that self-satisfaction and that desire to improve. And the third is purpose. Does the work matter? Is the work larger than themselves? Does it bring joy? Does it make a difference? Daniel's book goes into deep detail how those three intrinsic motivators, those internal drives, the autonomy, mastery and purpose, serve a much greater motivator than those extrinsic motivators of reward and punishment carrot and stick so let's move on to dysfunctional behaviors when we set bonus criteria and bonus goals we generally set well-meaning targets we are trying to incentivize on a specific behavior that we want our staff to exhibit The danger comes because we are focusing on specific behaviors with our incentives. Any behavior that isn't being incentivized, isn't being focused on, suddenly seems less important. And this is where dysfunctions can arrive. Let's take a look at this in terms of software development. We could bonus our software developers on the number of lines of code written. And I've seen this happen we bonus them on how much work they can write out. However, from a software development quality point of view, writing a lot of lines of code is not important. It's actually dangerous. It means it's very easy to churn out rubbish rather than well-crafted software. Think of it similar to a novel writer. If you bonus a novel writer on lines of code written, They could churn out pages upon pages upon pages of meaningless drivel. To achieve the target you set, the writer has completely ignored quality. They're not writing prose. They're not writing well-written verses. What they're doing is they're churning it out to meet a target of numbers rather than quality. One other example I've come across is where a The software developer was being bonused on fixing bugs, whereas a QA engineer was being bonused on finding bugs. In doing so, the two effectively managed to work together to maximize their bonus potential. By originally writing quite poor code, the QA tester would find lots of bugs and the software developer would then fix those bugs. And between the two, the circle could continue, infinitum. Each achieving well on their bonus targets. Such practices are obviously morally questionable. But they're going to happen if we are incentivizing people with money to do things that will cause dysfunction. You also get more subtle examples. In Coaching Agile Teams by Lysa Adkins, she talks of an example of three developers. All three have been targeted to take ownership, to be more visible in the organization, to gain more profile and presence. It's become part of their performance review, part of their bonusing. Unfortunately, the three were meant to work as a team, but they've been effectively pitted against each other and this has led to poor working together because they're all trying to do what they need to do to achieve their bonus, to achieve their targets, which in effect is actually blocking each other's efforts. A very dysfunctional outcome. And I always refer back to sales. Sales for me is an obvious place where you see a lot of this dysfunctional behavior. It may be almost anecdotal that we. Bonus a sales team on sales, not on the quality, not on the customer, not on the fit for either the customer or the organisation. You only need to look at the financial crisis of 2008 to see that in action. But this is nothing new. This has happened throughout time. Anything where we are bonusing on a specific outcome we have to be exceptionally careful that we aren't inadvertently causing dysfunctional behaviour in other behaviours. In this episode, I've talked about to bonus or not to bonus. I've talked about how it affected me early in my career, both personally in terms of my own performance, my own goal setting, as well as how I managed teams using it. And even then at the time, I always felt that there was probably a better way of achieving it. I talked about money as a motivator and how it drives into that extrinsic motivator as described by Daniel Pink in his book Drive. How that extrinsic motivator of reward and punishment, carrot and stick, can lose potency over time and actually create demotivation rather than motivation. And I then talked about how he recommends looking at the intrinsic motivators to drive those internal motivators, that autonomy, that mastery, that purpose. I also talked about the dysfunctional behaviors we can get from bonuses. We may try to set well-meaning targets. We might try to incentivize on specific well-meaning behaviors, but in doing so it's too easy to cause dysfunction in other behaviors that aren't bonus, that aren't prioritized. And I talked about a number of examples in there. I personally believe that bonuses are not the right way to go. I'd rather see an employee paid well, paid in that Goldilocks zone of not too much, not too little. And I like to see them then be in that place where they're motivated through those intrinsic motivators, where they're in an organization that values them and provides them the ability to have that autonomy, that mastery and that purpose. If you haven't already, I certainly do recommend reading Drive by Daniel Pink. It's an excellent book and well worth a read. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. This podcast has been hosted by me, Mark Taylor. It has been produced by Red Folder Consultancy Limited a consultancy that can help you achieve better return on your software development investment. You can contact them or sign up to the mailing list at red-folder.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Red foldermark If you're getting value from this series, please tell a friend and help me grow my audience.